Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International, Tuesday at 10 p.m. on ACB Radio Maine, or wherever you get your podcasts. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Good evening, good evening, or day if you're listening to the podcast. This is our second celebratory Pride show. You are listening to Pride Connection. I'm one of your three hosts, Anthony Corona. As always, I'm joined by Gabriel Lopez Capati, president of Blind Pride International. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Pride Connection during Pride Month. And Leah Gardner, vice president of BPI. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Pride Connection. And tonight we have a very special show for you guys. Three exciting, extremely engaging, and intelligent, funny, witty guests. Tonight, your guests are your co-hosts. But before we dive into the fun and get to know all about each other and what Pride and Blind Pride International means to us, Of course, Gabe is going to say a couple of pride-based remarks. Thank you, Anthony. And um, yes, uh, as everyone knows, uh, if you have been following us, whether here or on any of our channels, we are celebrating Pride Month, which happens every year in the month of June. And we'll get more into that in a bit. I just want to say that Yes, it is LGBT pride, but we ultimately, our community, the LGBT community, we are a minority and uh, we just want to send out a message to our nation and to the world and to every part of the ACB family, uh, standing in solidarity with other underserved groups who have been and continue being the target of so much hatred and uh, so much injustice. Um, Our heart goes out and uh, this is a month in which we all should celebrate our pride of who we are and uphold each other and uh, make sure that we all become that united nation and united population that we should be accepting each and every one of us for our differences and not thinking that we have the right of being over anyone else because they are different. So with that being said, I, on behalf of Blind LGBT Pride International, our message of solidarity goes out specifically in this case to the entire black community and to all our brothers and sisters in this great nation. So we're gonna dive into Pride Month, and I'm going to hand it over to my partner and co-host, Anthony Corona. 
Well, before we get into interviewing each other, a couple of quick notices. It is Pride Month, and we can't have a physical Pride so BPI, otherwise known as Blind LGBT Pride International, decided to try to do something virtually. So this month, you're going to see an amazing five-hour package of music from and inspired by gay, lesbian, transgender artists and anthems that our community has adopted and loved. You will also see another special edition, Pride Connection. We'll do a two-night in a row, Pride Connection, towards the end of the month to celebrate Pride. And two other quick notes. Blind Pride International is working with ACB to start a storytelling corp. And it's going to start with a boot camp. You'll see the notices for June 13th. Please join us. And in the meantime, if you have a story to tell either about how COVID has affected you or what's going on in this world right now, please send it to membership at blindlgbtpride.org. And lastly, we are going to try to start a team for the convention walk, the Brenda Dillon walk. So if you're interested in that, same email address, membership at brindlgbtpride.org. Hit us up if you'd like to be on the team with us. Now, what does Brind Pride really mean? Leah, you are a founding member. You are our vice president. You are an amazing voice. Why don't you start with what Pride and Blind Pride means to you? Well, I have to say, you know, it was 20 years ago, as you all know, when I walked into a basement room in a hotel in Los Angeles and my journey with this organization began. However, Blind Pride means a lot of different things to me. I came out when I was 17. I came out to one of my best friends at the time. And I remember her first question to me when I told her I was gay was, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) anyone who knows me now, I don't think would have a doubt. But (laughs) I said, yeah, I, I am sure that is what my circumstances are. And over the years, I think my feelings about pride have shifted. I think when I first came out, it was a more microscopic situation where I was concerned about my own life, how I was going to fit into this world as a lesbian and how that was going to work out. And in 1993, when I came out, things were much different. You know, I mean, even even civil unions for same-sex partners were not something that was in any way common. There might have been a few few very progressive areas where some states maybe had domestic partnerships, but it took a lot of work to make sure in a same-sex couple that if something happened to to one of the partners that uh, the other person kind of was recognized. Uh, and also healthcare. Oh my God! 
raising children together, work benefits. I mean, all those things were just not even really a consideration then. It was still a big deal for celebrities to come out. I remember in 1993, Katie Lang, who's a country artist that never was really able to make her way successfully in that genre because she was a lesbian. There was a huge profile of her in a Vanity Fair, the summer of 1993. And for me, just reading about a woman that was in in the music industry being open and candid about the fact she was a lesbian that was just huge i had a good friend of mine and her uh sister who i spent a lot of time with the summer of 1993 um her sister was identifying as bisexual at the time and so for the first time in my life it it gave me a chance to really kind of talk with and and bond with somebody else who had feelings for the same sex. And we talked a lot about Katie Lang. And we listened to this song that was very popular called Constant Craving. Craving. (laughs) And, um, you know, my perception started to change a little bit. It wasn't just about me. There was more of a world view of, of lesbianism that it affected. It was a movement. It was not just about sex it was about identity it was about freedom it was about being proud of who you were and i think that's where the concept of pride first began to evolve for me once i realized there was so much more to being a lesbian that was outside of just myself and i think over the years with joining blind pride i have become much more aware of the momentum and the history behind the pride movement. You know, people who have come before us, uh, you know, the Stonewall uprising in the late 60s, the lesbians who risked in a lot lot of cases their lives going to bars and being taken to police stations and and beaten and jailed for who they were. Uh, uh, The AIDS crisis in the 80s, and it, you know what what so many gay men endured during that time and you know starting in the late 90s the fight for civil unions and ultimately same sex marriage pride is it is such an all encompassing concept it's not just about us as individuals it's about advocating for freedom for an ability to be who you are without apologizing for it or justifying for it and demanding dignity for it. Nicely said. We celebrated our founding last week on the show. And next week we will be talking about Pride itself's founding. We have the co-director of the Stonewall Foundation joining us next week. So please join us then. But I think you brought up the pride movement. That's something I I was hoping we'd talk about in the show. I think it's a perfect time space right now with what's happening in the world to mention that those who walked before us, they walked before us with shields. They walked before Mm -hmm. us, you know, ducking rocks and, um, 
you know, and, and in the climate that we have right now, it, it brings it all really back to the forefront of my head. Pride for me for a lot of years was something different. Um, you know, I stopped when I first came out, I was so excited to go to Pride and, you know, do all the events and see all the people and interact and mingle and yeah, maybe hook up once or twice as well. But mostly it, it was that spirit of unity and we're all in one place and we're all happy. And and then it became very commercialized and, and <laughs> the spirit of Pride, you know, waned a lot. But last year I, I did get to enjoy the the 50th anniversary in New York City where it all started. But more about that later, Gabe, we just heard a little bit about Leah's journey and you have a very interesting intersectionality for your story is, is a lot different. You grew up in the Honduras and mm-hmm. um, you found your pride when you got here. Can you tell us a little bit about what growing up when you started to realize who and what you were and how you found your pride and what your pride means to you? <laughs> well, that's, I hope you guys are ready. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's a huge intersectionality. It's like, <laughs> my life is a crossroads. <laughs> well, Gabe, I did uh, say, tell us a little bit. Don't give us the tall story <laughs> version. Give us the clip. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you know me. <laughs> I want to definitely send out a strong message and I'm happy to share my experience to bring a little bit of awareness as of what pride is or pride can come to signify in in a person's life. Yeah, like Anthony said, I grew up in Honduras in Central America in a very typical half Hispanic, half Arabic family. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of conservative ideas and um, also grew up Catholic, not going to get into religion because I am a spiritual person. However, I differ a lot with many religions. So it was definitely a challenge for me. Uh, I knew I was different. Uh, I remember the first time I had a crush on a boy. I was like 14 years old. I couldn't understand that because in my mind, it was too instilled in my mind it was like too hammered in my brain that boys with girls and that's it so i felt weird um you know i I, they always used to say before i came out my family especially my mom and my aunts would pride (laughs) and use the word (laughs) mine they use the word pride on saying oh you know we're throwing this party call Gabriel he's really good at putting together a nice menu for you or oh, I bought this new furniture call Gabriel he's really good at decorating or you know we're looking at some sort of artistic of something like a presentation art something or music or opera call Gabriel he's really you know so the signs were there and not that I'm saying that all these things are exclusively within the gay community but, you know, us gay men tend to flourish more in those areas uh, that otherwise are typically left out to women uh, in a setting like Latin America, at least. So fast forward to when I came to the U.S. and started meeting people and started discovering that other men were happy and out. And I started saying, well, 
this is something that I want. Uh, this is something that I need in my life. And I started coming out. It was not easy at the beginning. I got a, you know, a lot of comments. Uh, one of the ones that sent out to me is comments like, well, you are my, let's say cousin, you are my cousin and I love you no matter what. People may think that's a very loving comment. Well, it's not because you're basically no. telling the, the, the way it came across is like, even though you're damaged, I still love you. Even though you're mm -hmm. not normal, I still love right, you. Yep. Right, right, right. I came to understand it didn't sit well with me when they said it, but then I understood. And then I started coming out more. And then finally I came out completely. And that was not only thanks to the environment that was secured for me here in the U.S., but also through BPI, which I'm going to get to that in a bit. But I started displaying a little bit more of my, my, my pride feelings. You know, I started wearing uh, rainbow uh, apparel and uh, even have, <laughs> you know, a couple of, of rainbow tattoos. So this is a question that I got and I want to address and I want to put it out there because then people started telling me, uh, especially people from back in Honduras, well, it's great that you're gay and it's great that you're happy and that you found your true identity, but do you have to be so out about it? And I'm like, absolutely. That's what pride, and this is where I landed, that's what pride means to me. I mean, you are an out straight person. That's what I would tell them. You don't hide that you're straight. Yeah, no, but that's different. And I'm like, no, how is it different? You were born heterosexual. I was born homosexual. I am proud of who I am. And to me, it's irresponsible to not be proud because it's like Leah and Anthony mentioned a moment ago is, is like not honoring those who came before us, who paved mm -hmm. the way for us and who sacrificed so many things for us to have the liberty, the, uh, the freedom that we have now to be ourselves and without judgment or without attack and to be recognized. BPI comes to me in a very crucial moment of my life because again, intersectionality, blindness and LGBT, I thought I was the only blind gay man in the world. I've told the story many times, I won't go over it again. I found BPI and BPI has just become a home for me because that intersectionality of being blind and gay is, you know, it's basically almost like coming out of the closet twice. It's like, uh -huh. you have to come to terms. Yeah, you have to come to terms with both. Yep. And mm -hmm. what better than finding a home, an organization that is supported by the respect and, and just a solid foundation of the American Council of the Blind you know, find that home, find that like shelter, that security, and obviously come with it the amazing number of wonderful individuals who have touched and changed my life. So yeah, BPI for me is a home with an ACB. Absolutely. And we are so proud to be able to say, not only are we the first organization of this intersectionality, but we're the only organization of this intersectionality and that that means something i i hope someday that there are more but you know we're going to do everything that we can to make everyone out there who has lgbt low vision no vision and feels the way we all i think on this show did at one point understand that there's a family waiting for you with open arms in bpi Anthony, I want to ask you about something on that point, because 
you lost your sight about four years ago. And, you know, I think prior to that, you were, you were openly gay man, you were proud of it. <laughs> you know, you were enjoying your life. And then you lost your sight. So I'm kind of curious what BPI has meant to you since you since you discovered us about a year ago at, at the convention in in Rochester. How has BPI changed your life and how has it changed your sense of pride? Well, this New York City boy who basically <laughs> said, I'll travel the world, but home will always be in New York City, specifically Staten Island. Yeah, it was Bridge and Tunnel, but it was my Bridge and Tunnel. I now live in Miami. Um, and Gabe said a little earlier in the broadcast, you know, Gabe is my partner, um, someday my husband. And, um, you know, so first and foremost, I mean, it gave... <laughs> It gave me my, my life partner, and I also probably would have laughed my, you know, posterior region off if someone told me, you'll have love at first sound sight. <laughs> but, um, you know, it might not have been exactly that, you know, <laughs> it might not have been exactly that, but it was pretty darn close. No, it, it, all kidding aside, and, and that's not kidding, but, you know, the question you're asking me, I went through a period after after I lost my sight. It was rapid. It was devastating. I went through a period of, of just emotional pause. I didn't really feel anything. I just, I needed to learn how to move. I needed to learn how to get around in the world. I needed to learn the skills that I would need to, I kept thinking that I was going to reclaim my life, that things would go back to the way they were. Mm. Um, along the journey, I found out that's not exactly what's going to happen. You know, I, it's a new reality and I have to accept the reality that is and then figure out how I want to live in the world from that point forward. There was no going back. Bring me a miracle universe if you'd like to and I'll take it, but that's not going to happen. And at the point when I came to the convention, I didn't really even want to go. Um, a friend of mine from Guide Dog School, the person that he was sharing a hotel room with, dropped out at the last minute and, and it all kind of just happened. It all just kind of happened. And um, I took advantage of the situation, came up to convention. And um, when I, you know, when I found out that there was a group called Point Pride, I said, Oh my God. Okay. You know, at that point I was, there was so much, you know, my own sexuality, my own inner strength and power and all those things had you know, been put on pause and I was starting to let them back out. So, you know, I then found this organization. I found a partner. I found the best friend in, in Yulia, you know, and I, and I found a home. And, you know, the show, the being, you know, being secretary of the organization, things that have happened with ACB. Um, I honestly don't know if I'd be here, period, without having had finding BPI. I have this memory of, of you, Anthony, that is really sharp. <laughs> I have this memory of you in Rochester, and you asked a question that I'll never forget. You know, a lot of us were kind of talking about the realities. You know, we deal with this as blind people in, in the dating world. And you said, how do I get my sexy back? I'll never forget that <laughs> question. Yeah. Because... In that moment, I thought, 
here's somebody who is really trying to reclaim this zest in life, this vitality, this sense of feeling attractive. And, you know, and I look at you now, <laughs> almost <laughs> a year later, and it's like, well, Anthony got his sexy back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never understood why he asked that question in my mind. I don't know if I told him. I was like, what are you talking about? I find you <laughs> sexy and attractive. Like, you have no idea. <laughs> But I, I, with, with all that, listening to you, Anthony, and the way you have become part of not only my family, <laughs> but our BPI family, and very importantly, the ACB family, I have to share <laughs> uh, the words of a very, very dear friend of mine, of ours, who was actually uh, very involved in the leadership of ACB, who in conversation some weeks ago told Anthony, listen, Anthony, just six months ago, I didn't know you. Now your name's coming everywhere on ACB. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's very humbling. Thank you. I, I think I found that I never lost my sexy. I just was afraid to try a lot of things because I didn't know if I'd still have something of who I was before. And, you know, what I realized, so convention was the first trip that I took with absolutely no assistance whatsoever. Nobody <laughs> meeting me on the other side, nobody planning it with me. I literally did it all on my own, you know, and, and it's different. I just realized that, you know, it's not going to be the same as it was. And that's okay. It's, it's very okay. I mean, look where I am now. So thank you. I, I mean, really thank you for, for, for saying that, but Wow. <laughs> But pride, you know, the conversation, the larger conversation that we're having, you know, I grew up in New York City and, you know, I literally have been in Stonewall hundreds of times. I, you know, that whole West Village, that was, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Christopher Street, it's called, you know, that was my spot. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I was on another show recently. <laughs> talking about growing up and you know I didn't have a lot of opportunities when I was in high school to to explore but you know we snuck out and, and we did things but um there was no hatred there was no backlash I I really can honestly and I'm knocking you can hear it I honestly you know had looking back a very 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 easy time of it Of course, you know, when you're, you're going through it yourself, all the internal craziness that you put yourself through, um, you know, hindsight is 2020. I, I, I literally almost drove myself out of my mind at certain points. But, you know, in reality, you know, nobody disowned me. Nobody tried to harm me. You know, nobody spit at me even. You know, there was nothing. And, and that's because brave Very, very brave people. I remember hearing a story. I was in the monster, which is right across from Stonewall. Um, and I was sitting with these older gentlemen who there's a piano there and upstairs, downstairs is the dance club. And then there's a back room as lots of bars always do have. But um, I digress as I always do. And, and you know, in between singing songs, the, the man playing the piano almost had a Billy Joel only with, you know, fabulosity. 
you know, they were telling stories and, and I heard for the first time that men would hang handkerchiefs on, on their pocket to signify each mm-hmm. other gay men who they were and that there was an underground little black, uh, you know, mm-hmm. their version of yellow pages of businesses mm-hmm. and friendly, you know, because it was years ago, especially in the in the sixties, and then again in the eighties when when the AIDS crisis hit again. Again, they reactivated that system of giving to each other the, the nods of where to go and who's friendly and what doctors are okay and mm-hmm. and I, and I just yeah. thought to myself, you know, nobody teaches this. You don't you don't learn yeah. this in, in in history. You know, even when they talk about civil rights, they say, oh, and the LGBT marched with Martin Luther. That's it. One sentence in the book. You get nothing else. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> right. it always impressed upon me that my very existence, the fact that I can go from the piano bar with a drink in my hand down to the dance floor and possibly go home with somebody and never, ever have one moment of harshness is no. owed to all those that came before. Well, not anymore, Anthony. <laughs> well, no, of course not. <laughs> we can go to the piano bar and, and walk with our drinks. But you're, <laughs> you're walking out either with Bodhi or Bodhi Posh and myself. <laughs> I, I have to, I have to piggyback on on something that Anthony just said uh, because I think this is something that uh, it, it's a good time to highlight of a, a contrast here for our listeners. Uh, because we, we, we love educating, and that's one of the missions of BPI, to bring awareness of the very specific situations around those of us who are blind or visually impaired members of the LGBT community. Anthony just highlighted his experience as a sighted gay man out there in the world, which is very true and was very prevalent, not only in Honduras when I was growing up, but also here in the States when I recently had moved. Uh, and still happens a lot where, especially the gay aspect, and, and, and I'll ask Leah to share some of her experiences or some of her thoughts in terms of the lesbian part of the spectrum. But in the gay part, a lot of contact or a lot of communication happens through nonverbal mm-hmm. signals. Like Anthony mentioned, a little handkerchief hanging from, from a specific pocket. It has to be a specific pocket. It has to be in a specific, folded in a specific way or a knot, not just any knot or a wing or something, something, but very prevalent um, nonverbal cues in the gay community. So that was another thing that I found myself in a situation where I was totally frustrated. And I said, I'm never going to be able to (laughs) establish a communication, whether for friendship or for a future long-term relationship or even for for a fling, <laughs> a hookup, or whatever you want to call it. Because how am I going to meet someone with nonverbals? <laughs> I'm lost. Even when I had more sight, I couldn't see nonverbals. I, couldn't, I never had enough vision, especially at nighttime, because I have retinitis pigmentosa, which is, you know, night blindness, uh, one of the things. Um, so, you know, that, that's another aspect of not only BPI, providing a home, providing resources, providing uh, education, but also the pride movement in general, being able, like Anthony said, to go out there and I can Google, I can go, I can visit a city or in my own hometown here in Miami, I can Google gay bars or gay restaurants. 
Mm-hmm. So I can go to a safe place knowing that I'll be recognized as part of the community and I don't need to engage in all those nonverbal cues because it, it's out there. We are, we are in a gay environment. So, so that's another, another big, big part of pride for me is, is the opportunity that it grants for me as a blind gay man to go and mingle with other gay men out in the world. Leah, so do you have any, any thoughts of how this <laughs> happens in, in, in the lady part of, of the LGBT? That's kind of hard for me to address because I, I've never had any usable vision, first of all. And when I came out and when I went to college, I had a very difficult time trying to connect in any kind of romantic way um, Mm -hmm. with other women. I think some of it was because I hadn't really gotten to a point in my life where I was proud about who I was as a blind woman. I was very out about being a lesbian, but there was a lot that I needed to accept about being blind and the reality of that. I think certainly during high school, during college, maybe for a little while after that, I felt really embarrassed and I felt on some level ashamed and I wanted to do everything I possibly could to try to fit in to the sighted world. The problem with that is, you know, I was different. (laughs) I'm not (laughs) sighted, you know, I, I mean, that that's a reality and I felt very different. I had I had some friends in college who were lesbian or bisexual, and I suspect some probably identify as queer now. But I always felt that they just saw me as, as kind of their blind friend. That I was not someone that would be considered for a dating possibility. Mm-hmm. And I tend to think now it's because I just didn't really have a belief or self-confidence in myself. And I think, I think I demonstrated that. I spent a lot of time listening to Melissa Etheridge and Katie mm-hmm. Lang and sort of longing for some kind of relationship or some kind of connection with women who honestly, I would have, would have completely been incompatible with me, but I had just long-term obsessive crushes that went really nowhere. It wasn't until I began spending more time with the blindness community through going to the ACB conventions that I started to become a lot more confident. And, you know, I was a very small town woman who grew up in rural New Hampshire, went to college in Vermont, didn't have a lot of life experience. I met a woman at the ACB convention in Des Moines in 2001 who lived in California. And um, I did the craziest thing I think that I've ever done, which was that I just grabbed a few of my things and I ended up moving my life from Vermont to California. I mean, it was nuts when I think about it now (laughs) because to go from where I was to the Bay Area of California was just insane, completely different world. You it's know, insane. ultimately, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made because I, in some ways I think that my real independent life began when I moved here. But what I noticed is that when I became more independent and more confident, 
claiming the fact that I was not just a lesbian, but I was a blind lesbian. Uh, I had a lot more, <laughs> I had a lot more success with the same sex. Um, <laughs> you know, that I mean, is because true. I think yeah. not so you- much, not so much sighted women. I've had a couple relationships with sighted women, but I, I, I seem to bond better with other women that are uh, visually impaired. And I think that's because now my confidence and independence level is so high that I struggle with answering questions, you know, from people that are excited about how I do this and how I do that. And I'm, I'm not, I kind of feel like I'm not a teacher. I mm-hmm. am someone that just wants to experience a bond on an equal uh, level field with somebody else. And I want the camaraderie and I want sort of the understanding of someone else who's been through it in terms of dealing with, with visual impairment. Now, I mean, that's not to say that I would, wouldn't entertain the possibility, but you know, I'm just saying it seems like my world is very blind centric, not on purpose, but I did a complete 360 from the first 26 years of my life, you know, to the second Mm -hmm. half, you know, Leah, you, you told me your, your memory of me at convention. And I got to tell you, everybody knows my memory of Gabe. <laughs> but um, my first impression of you when, when, it, when we sat there in that circle and started to get to know each other, your personality, your confidence in, in the authority of LGBT and the intersectionality and just enfolding the conversation and someone new into the conversation it was so big. I remember thinking on the, the train ride home um, after I got off the phone with Gabe because I was on with him for most of the ride. But I remember thinking <laughs> there must be an amazing story behind, you know, the woman sitting to the left of me who became, <laughs> who became one of my best friends. But I remember thinking there must be an amazing story behind it because there was just such, such strength and such bigness, bigness to the personality you know, and, and, uh, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you project that, Leah, and, 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 and I'm talking about you, but also speaking to so many people out there. And, and I have to say that uh, you, you made me think of, of one of my favorite reflections that I'm going to share right now. You inspired me because you said something. You said a word <laughs> that caught my attention. You said that you were so different. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I wanted to jump right in there, but I didn't want to cut you off. And I wanted to say, aren't we all? <laughs> oh, sure. Um, sure. That is my concept. And, and I'm going to share it uh, with our listeners and our friends here on Pride Connection. That's one of my strongest responses. I started reflecting on this when people started asking me, why is it that we adopt the rainbow as as a symbol of pride or as an insignia of the LGBT community. And what I tell people is not only the metaphorical part of, you know, the rainbow is hope, it's after the storm, etc. But to me, it means more that we are all different. We are all different. Each one of us identifies with a color of a rainbow, not specific color. It's just, again, it's just a metaphor. We are all as different as 
each one of the colors. They're so different, yet they coexist in such harmony that if you take away in one color, it's not the rainbow anymore. So mm-hmm. that's how I see it. And that's, that's why I love my rainbow, because it, to me, it represents that, that we are all so different, yet coexisting so harmoniously and so peacefully with each other to the point that we cannot exist without one another. So I just want to share that. It's one of my favorite reflections. I've written certain pieces that I've never shared with anyone. <laughs> and uh, someday I'll, I'll bring them out. And, and, and these are all inspired on, on the rainbow. So I, I just wanted to share with you and everyone here on Pride Connection. Thank you. Well, speaking of pieces, Gabe, we have a very special treat. You guys got the opportunity, listeners, got the opportunity to hear from Leah's artistic side in uh, our show two weeks ago. And she brought something special for us tonight as well. Absolutely. So this poem actually has kind of a, a long history to it. I wrote this in the fall of 2014. At that time, it's important because I I mentioned this in the poem. So at that time, same-sex marriage was not the legal law of the United States. In some states, same-sex marriage was legal. In others, it wasn't. And there were a lot of different court battles in the fall of 2014 that ultimately led to the U.S. Supreme Court making the pivotal decision in June of 2015 that same-sex marriage needed to be legal across the country to basically address the, the disparities between the laws. At that time, there were four states. Uh, th- there was a court that had made a decision, the only decision that was actually made against the GLBTQ community. An appeals court decided um, for the opposition. So I mentioned those states in this poem, and I also talk about a circumstance that happened on a particular day that late fall. So I have to kind of set that scene or else the mention of these states and, and this circumstance wouldn't really make a lot of sense. But I, but I think it's kind of relevant. The message of the poem is relevant today with all that is happening in this world, since it's such a time of of instability and anger and violence and fear right now. So I wanted to, um, to bring this back. And also this, this poem was originally written sort of mentioning a relationship I was in at the time that has long since ended. So I have made some changes to it. It's been through some reworking over the years. But the poem is called Jenga, and I hope this poem will speak to some people. Here's how we play Jenga. Start with a solid structure. Extract one vital block at a time. See how long the tower stands. Watch something strong crumble. I often think life is like Jenga. What happens when we are told we do not matter? One sharp word or action at a time. Individual dreams fall like tumbled blocks. Hit the ground with a futile clatter. A woman stepped off a BART platform last week. 
people around her said she just walked off the edge, purpose in her eyes. I wonder who played Jenga with her. Who told her she did not matter? Who laughed as each vital element slipped out of reach? What combined force pushed her to break? Some people played Jenga with a community. I think of same-sex couples in Michigan, Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee. How long have they solidified foundations? How many years have they raised families, loved intensely amid intolerance, driven themselves to build a life out of do-it-yourself dream kits? How many seconds did it take two members of a judicial panel to cheat like rogue children, yell, Jenga? How dare society tell people and communities they do not matter, all the while discussing philosophy or theory, smiling while blocks lie scattered in disarray, no matter whether it is one life or that of a movement. It all matters. We all matter. I wish that woman on the BART platform knew this. I wish somebody looked her in the eye that morning, held her hand as her tears fell, put their arms around her, warmed her with the simplicity of contact. I wish somebody helped her reconstruct the dreams she thought she lost. That same day, a woman showed me in so many ways that I mattered. With quiet words, she added a few more blocks to my life. She tucked a few dreams into my heart. With the help of her and others, I know that I matter to myself and those around me. I am warm with that knowledge. Even if a day is heavy on me, I can take it. I am strong enough. It's okay to walk on dreams. Blocks of reinforcement are always an outstretched hand away. So that is the message I send everybody afraid of Jenga. To individuals wandering along a slippery track. To couples in Michigan, Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee. Those who play Jenga with your lives are weak. Your dreams are brave built on granite blocks of truth. Do not let a few weak minds topple you. You matter more than you know. Your dreams are not scattered. They are at your fingertips. They are dauntless. Jenga is just a word. Wow. Oh, wow. That's um, very I'm speechless. Yeah. Well, I think in this world today where we are seeing, again, people's lives trampled and we are seeing people who are being told, again, in so many ways, you don't matter and your breath doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's important to highlight this and to understand the anger and the pain and i think for many people the the that feeling of futility and impotence and i think it's important to remind everybody that all of us matter 
and that, that we all have something vital to say and, you know, we're, we're all crucial and don't let people ever, ever tell us otherwise. I'd like to ask of the three of us, if we could take our lessons of pride and put them in a blurb to give to our, our fellow disenfranchised communities, especially the African-American community right now, what would you say? What pieces of pride would you give them? Remember that you have more inner strength than you realize. Remember that you can withstand more than you think you're able to. Remember that there is history behind you, that there are so many people who have come before and who have stood up uh, amid just relentless odds. And don't give up. Don't give in to the bullies. Don't give in to those feet pressed on top of you that, that want to strangle you you have more strength than you know. Okay. What I can say, my lessons from pride, I I can only offer them, humbly offer them to the African-American community as to all my African-American friends who are very near and dear to my heart. It, It will be unfair of me to say that I know and that I firsthand understand the struggles because I've read it in books and I've heard it from people who are very dear to me, Uh, but I have not lived it. So I'm humbly offering you my, my pride as an example of what Leah said a moment ago. We are strong and we are together and we are with you. At the end of the day, we're fighting for the same cause, which is equality, equal treatment, and justice. And uh, it's, it's so many centuries of, of, of oppression. Um, I would say that right now, at least we have a more open platform where this is not going into the midst of, of a of a history book. This is, you know, the world is seeing what is happening and the world knows and is condemning the atrocities that we're living. And, and, and the only thing that I have to say and without getting political is that I'm, I'm a legal eagle. I, for those of you who know me, I, I, I was a lawyer back in Honduras. And modern society is based on the, on the social contract. One of the big, you know, legal thinkers of all time, Rousseau, who basically said, we as societies, we as, as a state, we give away, we, we hand over a portion of our freedom to a higher entity for the greater good. Well, I'm going to tell you something. We have to be careful who we put in the place of that higher entity, because what is happening right now is not the common good. That's all I'm going to say. I guess it's my turn. I I think I would most like to say you are not alone and you're not 
what anybody wants to tell you you are. I, I've used this phrase, this saying a bunch of times, but it's apropos in so many situations. And it comes from my dad. Maybe he learned it from a philosopher. I'm, I'm not sure, but it's his, his gift to me. People, places, and situations can make you feel any certain way. You choose whether to accept or decline those invitations. I think the peaceful protests, the right protests, the beautiful protests that are out there is choosing, choosing life, choosing to tell those that want to tell you what you know is not your truth, that you are not accepting that invitation. And earlier we spoke about those that came before in the LGBT movement. And we had a lot of strife to go through a few years ago, as Leah spoke about with marriage equality and certain laws that needed to be taken off the books. And we looked around and we had a lot of allies. We had people that came to stand with us. Let us stand with you. You're not alone and you're not what they want you to think you are. Well said. Thanks. So it's pride month and, uh, we are celebrating all month long at BPI. Leah, you want to tell them where they can find us? Absolutely. You can reach out to uh, Blind Pride International. You can email us your feedback at membership at blindlgbtpride.org. Or you can find us on our website at www.blindlgbtpride.org. We hope uh, you'll become a member if you like what you hear on our show and you like what you hear in our package of music that will be upcoming later in the month of June and on our special Pride program where we have two consecutive nights of Pride Connection content. Gabe, any parting words from our president? <laughs> yes. Um, it is such a privilege for us here at Pride Connection to have this space here in ACB Radio and then in uh, the podcast feed that we're getting ready with the collaboration of the folks here at ACB Radio. It's, it's nice to feel that we have a home under the umbrella of the American Council of the Blind where we all feel safe, uh, we all come together. And um, we just want to invite you to keep joining us, keep supporting us, keep sending us your feedback and celebrate your pride with us, whether LGBT, whether African-American, whether straight, <laughs> whether whatever is your color of the rainbow, whatever color you identify with, Come celebrate your pride because you are unique and you are valued and you are loved and appreciated. And we offer always a loving and safe space for everyone to come join us. Absolutely. I want to also add my thanks to ACB at large, Deb Hazelton and Jason Castingway, 
who do such a great job of managing ACB Radio and getting our podcast up every week. And of course, I really want to say thank you to my two co-hosts who are my bestest of friends and amazing, amazing inspiration, great supports. And if you are feeling disenfranchised, if you are feeling that there isn't a space for you, come check out BPI. We're here and we're ready to bring you into the fold. Have a good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. You have been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org. They will find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers.